Good evening, everybody. Everybody, good evening. Great to see you. Hope you had a wonderful day today. I have a list of sick that on board there for you. I try to keep an ongoing list of people, and I know it's long, but I believe very deeply that we should take these people to God's throne because I'm I trust that He's concerned about them. So. I'll review them so that they'll be fresh on your mind too. Irene Baker is Melinda Hester's mother. She has terminal cancer. Martha Eaton's recovering from her foot surgery and seems to be doing very well. Austin Wentz has over 100 treatments left to take, takes the treatment every day, and that's really hard on his young body. Terry Green, unless he's had the surgery since the last time I spoke with some of those greens, he is ready for the surgery, but he had a little sickness, so they had to postpone it, but he's ready. And Stevens has several health problems. Kim Fowler is going to be having to have surgery on her foot. It's not healing right. Don Dawson has several health problems going on now. Uh, COVID on top of everything else. Connie Mooney recovering from hip replacement surgery. Sue James is Rick's friend. She has cancer. Quitman Wigginton's at Landmark. Okay, so Randy said, hey, take me off the list. I'm good. Isn't that great? Yay, way to go, Randy. I said, you kicking high? Yeah. Of course, he didn't demonstrate, but he's doing great. But take my name off and and put a couple of my sisters on there. <laughs> so we're remembering them. Uh, Sue Potts, she has a broken rib. She fell into a doorknob, a little unstable, hit the doorknob, broke a rib. Uh, Reba Hughes fell in the house and she has bruises, but I don't think any breaks. So please remember this, do not fall, okay? <laughs> Nod your head this way, you've received the information. Please do not fall. It's always after. I shouldn't have this or I shouldn't have that. Uh, Dale's Uncle Wade Davis is still missing since 9 a.m. Wednesday, June the 22nd. Just let that soak in. Uh, you can imagine the family is very distraught. Uh, Justin Moreland is recovering from a truck tire explosion. Truck blew up while he was trying to repair it and sustained some pretty serious injuries. Carolyn Wilcott, she's recovering, uh, but um, hopefully she's going to be coming home soon. So we're glad about that. Nada Bullock, she passed away yesterday around 4.30. Um, it's kind of a shock to me, you know, she's been very sick, but um, she has finally left the body that was causing her her great ills, and now she is enjoying what we hope to enjoy someday. Yes. So um, there are these arrangements. Uh, tomorrow there's going to be a visitation here in this building from 5 until 8 p.m. And then on Friday from 11 until 2, and then at 2 p.m. on Friday will be the service. So please remember Nada's family in your prayers. Catherine Floyd, she did as we hoped. She was able to go home 
following her rehab. I'm very glad for that. Samantha Carlson is out of the boot. Or I guess her foot's doing a lot better. We're glad for that. How's Norma? She's some better. Some better. But she's had an infection as a result of some cold tea. The infection is better. The infection's better. Okay. Uh, Melinda Hester, uh, she had to have shoulder surgery. It was pretty extensive, and she's been dealing with a lot of pain related to that. Uh, Mary Ann Holly is, that was yesterday, had brain tumor surgery yesterday. It was a very large tumor. I haven't had heard the results. Um, anybody know? Because Buster was kind of our contact, but he's been dealing with, yes. Okay. And they got like 98, 99 percent on it. And I heard today she's still on the bench, but she did a little more. They get more out of her history and kind of better response. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Deborah. So they did the surgery, got uh, almost all of it. It was non-cancerous, they believe, but still it was so huge. Um, so she's still uh, sedated, and hopefully they can determine how things went when she wakes up. Tony Presley had bypass surgery. Charlotte Moore's grandson Baylor's recovering from injuries. Sam Center had four-wheeler accident. He had some injuries. Bobby Petty's Joe Garrett's friend has lung cancer. Stephen Shapley's the preacher at Bings Ferry. He's been having some blood flow issues, was undergoing some testing. LCN Wynell. Much better. Oh, okay. So why now? Maybe as a result of that, um, had to have some cardiac testing done. Okay. Yeah, she's short of breath, and they just want to check her out. But they both had COVID. Kia Fryer is Sue Mason's great niece. Uh, she had a tear in her esophagus, but it's doing better. And by the way, Sue's out tonight. She's not feeling feeling well at all. Uh, the Dawson's grandson, Daniel, has COVID. Uh, Jane Allen still? She's doing better. Uh, Rumel Palmer. Okay, so she fell. She was at Baptist Memorial Hospital in Memphis, sustained a brain bleed, but she was moved to the step-down unit today, and they were expecting to bring her home, so maybe that's where the greens are. Yes? Okay, so it, it's true. <laughs> okay, great. So we're expecting that, that she's able to go home, and that's, that's wonderful. Uh, Buster and Sandra, they still down? Okay, they have COVID. Uh, Eric Fitzsimmons is brother-in-law of Laurie Smith. He has severely blocked arteries, and when I say severely blocked, I mean like 100% blocked. So they can't really do anything for it. They're trying medication. He's only 45 years old and dealing with this. Uh, May Dean had, has COVID. Did he? And he has avoided it this whole time. Well, they do stuff together. But remember the crows. So Merle has it too. Uh, Larry Lauderdale, he's had a lot of health problems. 
and he's going to be seeing the doctor next week pertaining to uh, some more issues. He's going to be receiving treatment for that. He just wanted us to be praying for him. Uh, Wayne and Shirley Taylor contacted me today. They're out sick with flu-like symptoms. Don't know. Frankie Sarton is now at Rhonda's home on hospice care. Uh, mentioned Sue. Um, Toy Farr was telling us that the wife of the preacher at Beach Hill, Audrey McCarver, uh, she's suffering from an aneurysm, not doing very well. Okay. Anyone else? It's a lot, I know. But these are our people, aren't they? We want them to do well. Okay, we're going to be praying for them. Yes? Okay. All right. We're going to sing a song, have a prayer, and have our Bible study. 346. 346. He lives. Isn't that what makes all the difference? Yes. Yes. He lives. We'll sing the first verse and. No, let's sing the third verse. No, let's sing the second verse, because we never sing that verse. How about it? Let's just sing it up. Second verse. Well, it takes so much time, but I would love to. We just sing it up. Oops, sorry about that. In all the world around me, I see his loving care. And no one will fear me, Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for the blessings of this day. Lord, we have learned good things and difficult things. But this is the day you gave us, and I'm just, I'm so thankful for it, and I pray that we've made good use of it. Lord, these people we've been talking about here are very sick or are suffering in some way, and we're asking, Lord, that you will bless them, either bless them with healing, bless them with encouragement, and use us, Lord. Let us be the, the means by which you can touch their lives. We pray for Irene Baker that she will have good days. We pray for Martha Eaton that she's going to have a full recovery. Bless Austin Wentz and help him to endure the treatments that he's been taking. We pray for Terry Green 
as he experiences surgery soon, we pray it's a success removing the tumor. Bless Ann Stevens with good days. Bless Kim Fowler as she's preparing for surgery. We ask your blessings on Don and Brenda Dawson. Please bless Connie Mooney and her recovery. Be with Sue James as she goes through her cancer treatments. And be with Quitman uh, as he's at Landmark. We pray that he adjusts well to that. Bless Sue Potts that she can recover quickly from the broken rib. We know that's a very painful injury. We just pray that she'll recover quickly. And bless Reba too as she fell and has injured herself. Pray for the Davis family, and none of us really know what to say or, or how to approach a situation like they're facing, but we just pray, Lord, for some kind of resolution. We pray for Justin Moreland and his recovery from bad injuries. Bless Carolyn Wilcutt and her recovery. Pray for Nada's family, especially for Trina, and we just pray your comfort on them. And uh, be with this family and with us, um, Nada's church family, as we go through this process of grieving. But Lord, we just, we thank you for her life and the influence she had for good. We pray for Catherine Floyd, that as she goes home, that she'll do well. Pray for Samantha, she recovers from the injury to her foot. We ask your blessings on Norma, that she'll have good days and that she'll feel better. Bless Melinda Hester and her recovery from shoulder surgery. Pray for Marianne Holly and the surgery that she had. We're thankful that so far as we know, it was a very successful surgery and pray she'll have a full recovery. Bless Tony Presley and recovery from bypass surgery. Bless Charlotte Moore's grandson Baylor and his recovery and, and also the, the other passenger. Bless Sam Center as he recovers from his injuries. Be with Bob Petty, who has lung cancer, that his, his treatment will be a success. Bless Stephen Shapley. We pray that he'll get good news from his test. We pray for the Thompsons, especially for Wynell, who's still under some observation. We pray that they'll recover fully. Be with Akia Fryer. Uh, as she recovers from the, the problem with her esophagus. Best bless the Dawson's grandson, Daniel, who's sick. For Jane Allen, who's sick, and we're glad she's better. We rejoice that Sister Rumel is better and returning home, and we pray that she'll not have any lingering um, complications from her injury. Bless Buster and Sandra that they'll recover and do well. We pray for Eric Fitzsimmons, who has a very serious problem. We pray something can be done that will help him to, to get better. We pray for Merle and Maydeen, who have COVID, that it'll be a light case and they'll, they'll recover. Bless Larry Lauderdale, who's got some health issues right now that need treatment. We pray that he'll get exactly what he needs. Be with the Taylors tonight as they're out sick. We pray that their sickness won't last very long. Be with Frankie Sarton, who's now under hospice care. We pray for Sue Mason, who's not feeling very well tonight. You'll bless her. Be with uh, uh, Audrey Carver as she suffered this aneurysm. We pray it is not, uh, not a devastating type, that uh, she can be treated and 
do well and be with those who are, are caring for her. We also pray for Bobby Stevens, who's to have surgery tomorrow. We pray whatever the case with that, that surgery will go well and will promote healing and be with Linda as no doubt she has some anxiety about that. We just pray a good outcome. Lord, please bless us tonight as we study together and help it to be fruitful to all of us, uh, benefit in the sense that we grow in our understanding and that we have a better uh, picture of your work in bringing about your church, that body that we just cherish. And thank you for the privilege of being a part of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I'm going to need a scripture reader. I have, well, I only have one. I have a microphone to enable you with incredible power. I would like someone who has a strong voice to volunteer. Who would do it? Hollywood wants to do it again, a few weeks in a row. Okay. I'll be glad to relate with you anytime. He wants, if anyone wants to come up here and grab it out of his hands, you may attempt to do so. He's trying to be gracious, but, you know, he just loves it. Okay, well, you have a good, strong voice. You know, it almost sounds like something I'd put on tape, so that's good. All right, so we're in Acts chapter 2. This, this is kind of the culmination of a lot of things, because it is right here that so much that we've already talked about is finding its fulfillment, and it's just a beautiful section of Scripture. Let's look at the first four verses of Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Well, this is the thing, right? This is what we've been looking to. Jesus ascended to the Father, but the promise was that he was going to send the Holy Spirit. And now that promise is being fulfilled. Now it says that they were all together in one accord. Who, who exactly is the they, you think? We want to say it's the twelve, the apostles. Some people call that into question because back in chapter 1 there was discussion of a group of 120. But I want you to, want you to know that this has reference to chapter 1 and verse 26. And that's by means of a little thing called an antecedent. Antecedent. Anybody know what an antecedent is? Okay, it's a, yeah, it's a word that... It is the word that the pronoun is referring to. Okay, so they, who's they, you know? Somebody says, uh, they said this and they said that. You ever said, well, who is that exactly? Of course, we never know. They is kind of a nebulous in our society when we want to talk about people who post stuff. It's just always they said this and they. But in this case, they is actually identified. Now, typically what we do is we look in the text and we look to the nearest um, noun um, that is going to be reasonable to fulfill what the pronoun is referring to. You understand that chapter divisions were not a part of the original text. So just because we went into chapter 2 doesn't mean we changed the setting. 
So when he refers to they, all we have to do is look back a little bit further and try to determine who they is. And the first object that we find, plural group of people, is the, is the 12, the apostles. Now, some people dispute that, and, and I wanted to back up from that a little bit, because in chapter, we're not there yet, we'll get here in just a little bit, and in chapter 2 and verse 7, we find out that there is an accusation that this group of people that he's referring to, whoever they are, are actually Galileans. So if we want to track down who these Galileans are, watch what we can do. We can go and uh, get ready, Hollywood, here we go. So if you'll read chapter 1, verse 2, and then 5, then 8, then 11 in particular. I'm going to circle that one. Yes, chapter 1, verse 2. Of Acts. Uh-oh, we're having technical difficulties already. Is it green? It's green. It's not working. Have we got the microphone on upstairs? Yes? Well, go ahead and rate it anyway. We're just going to go on. Sorry, Milton. We're having technical difficulties. This thing's already falling apart. We have sent Jeremy upstairs. Look out, guys. Look out. Okay, go ahead. Until the day in which he was taken up, after that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Okay, there it is. Okay, who is the group? Who did he choose? The apostles that he had chosen. Okay, now, verse 5. Ye who? Who are we talking about? Who are we just talking about in verse 2? The apostles with whom this ministry was given. Okay, now verse 8. But you, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Okay, you guys, what's going to happen to you? Holy Spirit's going to come. Who is it? The apostles. We tie them together. Okay, now, verse 11. Boom. Watch this. Whoa, wait. You who? You men of Galilee. Who are these guys? They are men of Galilee. Okay, keep going. Matter as you have seen him go into heaven. Okay, so the apostles were given the mission. They are also told they're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit when he, whenever it is that he comes. Oh, and by the way, you guys are also from what region of the world? From Galilee. You're the Galileans. Now, look at chapter... Don't go to Mark yet. Look at chapter 2 and verse 7. Read that one for us real quick. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? All the people that speak are Galileans. Okay, now, look at that, Mark chapter 17, verse 70, or Mark chapter 14, verse 70. Maybe you're like, verse 70? Yeah, actually, very long chapters, right? Okay, Mark 14, verse 70. And he denied it again, and a little after, they that stood by said again to Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean. One of them who? One of them who is a... There's an accusation being made. You're one of those, those disciples that runs around with Jesus. What did everybody know that those guys were? They're Galileans, right? 
You say, Ken, that is so obvious. Okay, it is. However, a lot of people somehow or other don't get that. They don't connect it. What they would like to happen, I'll just go ahead and let the cat out of the bag because I love cats so much. But what many people want to do is take, remember that little section where the 120 came together for the purpose of selecting what? The apostle to take Judas's place, who is now going to become a part of the 12, who are going to be a part of uh, Matthew 19, 28, 29, of the judging of Israel, right? Got to have 12. So Matthias, who's taking Judas's place, all, the, all those guys were special because where'd that come from? Okay, they all come from Galilee. 120, well, in the midst of the 120, there'd be all kinds of people, and people, what the argument that folks want to make is, well, see, the Holy Spirit didn't just fall on the 12. Holy Spirit fell, they say in this context it was 120, so it was a whole bunch of different people that the Holy Spirit fell on. Not so. To whom had the promise been given to go to Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit's going to fall on you. And this wasn't just in the book of Acts. This has been happening all through. Remember the whole discussion from John chapter 13 through chapter 17. You are going to experience something amazing. Yeah, I'm going to die and I'm going to be taken away from you, but the Holy Spirit is going to come, and He's going to enable you. That does not minimize anything that anybody else was able to do, but it does set a special precedent in that there were 12 who had been empowered specially by the Holy Spirit. In fact, John says that the thing we anticipate is not just that they were baptized with water, but they are baptized with the Holy, the Holy Spirit. Okay, absolutely, yeah. Um, another verse you can look at, 14. Also, you just want to throw in verses 17 and 25? Be my guest. Okay, we just didn't want to read the whole thing. Let's pick you some good stuff. Okay, let's talk about this. They came together on a special day, Pentecost. Anybody know what Pentecost was? It was a religious holiday. Which one was it? It was 50 days after what? After Passover. There were three major feasts that every Jew was expected to participate in. Passover was number one. Pentecost was number two. Anybody know what the third one was? It was the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay, now here's the interesting thing. Pentecost, most people, when they went there on the Passover, everybody had to be there, right? You've got to be back in 50 days. You know what most people did? Stay in Jerusalem. Okay, it's only 50 days. You say, well, boy, that's a long time. Yeah, but everybody in Judaism is what? We're all family. And so we don't mind living with one another or we have relatives in Jerusalem. And besides that, if I travel off some far-fetched place, what am I going to, by the time I get home, I got to repack and head back to Jerusalem because I'm expected to be back. Three feast days are required. So I got to get back for Pentecost. You say, Ken, hold on there just a second. I read about Pentecost here in the New Testament scriptures. When I go to the Old Testament, would you please tell me where it is that the word Pentecost is found in the Old Testament scriptures, since you say it's such an important festival? Well, would anybody know where that is? Or 
wait, no, don't do that. Would you know what it was called before it was ever called Pentecost? There's your hint, if you can read it. <laughs> okay, so the Feast of Weeks. Have you heard of that one? I know you have. So there were three. There's, there's the Passover, there's the Feast of Weeks, there's the Feast of Tabernacles. Here's the interesting thing. With regard to the Passover, what did that commemorate, the Passover? Okay, yeah, the death of firstborn was kind of the, the big act that we remember, but basically... The Passover was to remind all of Israel of God doing what for them? The exodus of his people out of Egyptian bondage, right? The sense of deliverance, which also then brings the idea of renewal. That's why it would be an important number one, right? Renewal and all that feel good. Uh, the second of these, 50, okay, it's called Pentecost. I just about gave it away. Well, I gave it away anyway. Okay, so Pentecost was seven full, seven full weeks, and then the next day would be Pentecost. Okay, so seven full weeks would be how many days? Okay, 49. So Passover was on the Sabbath day or Saturday, which meant then seven weeks later would still be the Saturday. Then the next day, one day, so 49, seven times seven is 49, plus one is 50, therefore Pentecost. The 50th day is not, wow, what in the world? That's not on the Sabbath. That's actually on the first day of the week, on the first day of the week. So on the first day of the week, Pentecost, this is about to happen. Uh, any idea what Pentecost was all about, by the way? What did it commemorate? So uh, Passover was uh, Egyptian bondage. Um, you know, we're freed from that uh, exodus. Pentecost was actually to commemorate, well, actually two things. In the Old Testament, when you read about it, it commemorates the first fruits. In other words, when you've planted the first thing that comes up, that's the first fruits. We're going to gather that up. We're going to offer that to God. With the intention that when I do that, what am I hoping is going to happen with the rest of the harvest for the rest of the year? God's going to bless it. Okay? So when Pentecost came, that was the initial, the initial effort at harvest, the first part of the gathering season. They offered those first fruits to God with the hope and expectation God's going to bless. The Feast of Tabernacles came at the end of the season. So after, after the harvest and all has taken place, the final, final end of the season was also a celebration. In fact, Tabernacles, interesting story. When I think Tabernacles, I usually associate that with tents. And then we would associate that also with the Exodus. But that's not exactly what was happening there. The idea of tabernacles was that when you were... Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say probably Luther maybe does something like this. I don't know. I'm just... Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Okay, so the harvest is coming. Man, I've got to get a good crop. I am not even going to stay in my regular house. 
I'm going to keep the varmints away from my crop. I'm going to do what? I'm going to live out there in the field. Well, where are you going to live out there in the field? In a, a tent or a tabernacle. Okay, so Feast of Tabernacles was kind of the, the reflection upon a great and bountiful harvest. Okay, so these people have come for Passover to celebrate the Exodus, right? Our freedom from slavery. Now, 50 days later, the culmination of that, you know, the excitement of what is to coming, a new thing. Now, I said that there were a couple of things. That covered the Old Testament thing. There is an inter-Testament period. Did you realize that? For instance, when you get to the book of Malachi, or Malachi, if you call it Malachi, you know, the Italian prophet. Okay, never mind. Okay, so you come to Malachi, and from Malachi to Matthew, that's not like, well, Malachi finished and then Matthew picked up. You've got an intertestament period of at least 300 years. What happened in 300 years? A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. And what eventually happened with this particular celebration? Why it went from being, you know, the, the first fruits idea, the, 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 um, the feast of, of the first fruits. Instead of that, now they're thinking in terms of, okay, our allegiance to the law of Moses. So this, this turned into a commemoration in the first century of the giving of the law of Moses at Mount Sinai. That kind of took it up a notch. But think about that now. The transition in thinking, does that really uh, almost automatically hang even double or triple or ten times the significance for us? Because there on the day of Pentecost, most Jews who have come are about to celebrate God delivering the law of Moses to them. And right there on this particular day, God is about to do what? He's about to preach it. He's delivering the gospel of Jesus Christ, the new law, if you will. I just think that's pretty, pretty staggering stuff. Okay, so also on this day, look at verse 2 again in the text. Verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Verse 3, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. Anybody know what you call that kind of, well, I guess it's kind of symbology or something that's trying to describe something. <clears throat> S-I-M-I-L-E, a simile. Anybody know what a simile is? I know we've got English teachers in here. I kind of feel silly asking because you could jump all over me about this. And my simplistic answers, I'm sure, just make you go, oh boy. But anyway, a simile is where you take two things that are basically dissimilar and you compare them with either like or as. There's another word in English that kind of describes the same action, but you don't use like or as. Anybody know what that is? A metaphor. Okay, so a simile is using like or as. Now, please keep this in mind. A simile is when you are using two things that are dissimilar. In other words, they're not the same. However, you're comparing them in order to illustrate 
um, what it, the meaning of it. What's the importance of it? Now, watch this again. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Was it a rushing mighty wind? The answer is no. But the sound of it was as of a rushing mighty wind. In other words, when the sound came from heaven, was it a big deal? Was it something you couldn't miss? Absolutely, something you couldn't miss. That's going to be significant because I'm going to ask you a little bit later, what was the purpose of these miracles? And it's going to be apparent to us just from this statement. Verse 3, and this is, this is the one that's pretty important to me, I think. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. Stop right there. Every time you see this illustrated, even in some of our Bible classes, probably got some on shelves out there in the Bible classes right now. Every time you look at one of the pictures of this event taking place, what do these apostles have on the top of their heads? Flames of fire, flames of fire. What does this text say? Okay, it says that there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire. You say, well, Ken, what does that mean? Well, whatever it is about fire that is absolutely apparent, and maybe it is the flamey stuff, or maybe it's the jumpy stuff, or maybe it's the shape of it, or maybe it's the inability to contain, or you could just go on the list. We are saying about what happened to them that this was something that reminded a person of a flame of fire in some way or another, but it wasn't what? Actually fly, fire, right? So it wasn't actually a rushing mighty wind that happened, although it was loud, and it wasn't exactly a flame of fire that was on top of their heads, although it was something that would have reminded you of that. And when these things happened, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. What are tongues? They're languages. Tongues are languages. They were speaking with other languages. And by the way, those of you who have read this already, why would that be significant? Who actually is in Jerusalem for this feast that requires everybody who's a Jew to be there? Jews from all over the place. Jews from all over the world have assembled here. And so they spoke as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem, well, here it is, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Question, were there Jews from every nation here? This is not a trick question. You just read it. Nod your head this way. Yeah, Ken. It says right there. There were Jews from every nation under heaven. What nation does that leave out? There were Jews from everywhere. Why is that significant? Because this message is God's ultimate presentation of His gospel to what group? Not just to Jews who are in this city or that city or that one over there and that one over there. That will happen, but at this moment... It is the presentation of the gospel to the entire nation of Israel. You accept, you'll be saved. You don't accept, you're out. So when this sound occurred, wait, what sound? That which sounded like a rushing mighty wind, wasn't a rushing mighty wind, but it was so loud that it seemed like that. It was like that. It was impressive. You couldn't help but take notice of it. Now look at this. When this sound occurred, what happened? The multitude came together. Question, why was there, why was there this great sound? To bring them together. This miracle that's occurred here 
is for two reasons. Number one, it empowers the apostles to do what? Speak with languages so that everybody who is there from whatever nation they assemble can hear what's going on. And then number two, to draw in a crowd, right? Everybody's like, what was that? We better go check that out. So everybody is assembling together. So when the sound occurred, the multitude came together. They're confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and they marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? Actually, that's kind of an insult because Galileans were considered to be what? Biblical scholars? No. Workaday workers. Wait a minute. What is what is going on here? We know these guys. They're all Galilean. You remember when Peter, when Peter was there and he's having to do all the denials, what did we find out from Mark chapter 14, verse 70? Why is it that they knew he had been with Jesus? See, probably it was a, you know how we, I don't know, maybe we have an accent. People accuse us of having an accent. Probably when they spoke, it gave it away, right? I hear them speaking, but... They're speaking in my language, but they're doing that with that Mississippi accent, you know, that Galilean accent. So they're like, look, is that who they are? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? How could that be? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Lydia, joining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? What in the world is going on? And others, mocking, said they are full of new wine. Is this a good time to partake of wine? Uh, verse 14 says, Peter stood with the eleven, raised his voice to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let me know to you, he my words, these aren't drunks you suppose since the only, only the third hour of the day. Okay, first of all, this is a holy day. Did you forget this? Day of Pentecost. It's a holy day. Every Jew, even if you're a drunkard, you know today's the day of Pentecost and what am I going to do if I'm a Jew? I'm going to be there in Jerusalem. I'm going, to, I'm going to worship God and I'm going to praise Him in this festival occasion. Every Jew, even the most reprobate of Jews that's assembled there on Jerusalem knows that at, okay, he says it's only the what? Only the third hour of the day? What is that? Six, seven, eight, nine. You know that this is the first hour of morning prayer? Most people didn't even eat by this time yet. We're, in, we're, we're fasting to the time of prayer. Then we can start eating. But what does 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 7 tell us? Just off the cuff real quick. What do people do during the day? Oh, they work, they do things they want to. At night they sleep and at night they, well, that text says they get drunk. In other words, people know that this behavior, this is not reasonable. What an Okay, we're going to stop right there and pick up at verse 16 next time. Thank you for your attention so much.
unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my Good evening, everyone. If you're still out in the hallway or the foyer, we want to invite you to come into the main auditorium for our devotional period. I have a few announcements to make relative to some sick folks. Sympathy is expressed to the family of Nada Bullock. She passed away yesterday morning. Visitation for her family will be tomorrow from 5 until 8 here at our building. Then on Friday, uh, from 11 until 2, there'll be a period of visitation. And at 2 o'clock on Friday, we will have the funeral right here in this room. If you can help provide with the meal for this family, if you'll see the sign-up sheet in the foyer and then sign your name there to help, we would very much appreciate that. Rumel Palmer was moved to a step-down room at Baptist Hospital in Memphis. She was doing some better, and so much better, in fact, that they have released her from the hospital, and she is on her way home even as we speak. Isn't that great? We're glad she has done so well. Uh, Catherine Floyd, we've been praying for her for some time, but she has also returned home from rehab. 
Uh, here's an update on Frankie Sarton. Many of you know her. She's now at Rhonda's home and she's on hospice care. We've been asked to pray for Eric Fitzsimmons. This is the brother-in-law of Laurie Smith. He has major artery blockage. And when I say major, I'm talking in the neighborhood of 100%. Uh, they're uncertain as to exactly how to treat him. So they're trying some medication, other procedures. He's only 45 years old. So please remember Eric in your prayers. Our food pantry item for this week is canned pasta. Now let me, let me say something to you. When the request is made for these items, I know you hear it a lot, especially like on Wednesday night, we, we dovetail that into our announcements or we put a note in the bulletin. I know it's easy just as you're reading it or skimming over it, pass right through that request. But you know as well as I do that these days food costs are skyrocketing and those who are needy, those numbers are increasing as well. That's put quite a strain on the work of our food pantry. So, you know, if, if when you go to the grocery store, if you could just pick up an extra item, in this case, a, a can of pasta, if you could do that and contribute to that work, that you have no idea how useful that would be. And it will bless somebody who truly is suffering. Panama Missions Operation Christmas Joy. I introduced you to that on Sunday. It's another one of our bag efforts. It's a gallon bag. Uh, those are on a table out there in the foyer. It has a list of items that you can just stuff in that bag that will be a blessing to some young person in Panama. If you can help with that, it won't cost you very much, but it will make a huge difference in the life of a young person a world away from you. Pick up one of those bulletins. Uh, there's some at the doors. Uh, you can also check out the bulletin on the website. You can even sign up to get it by email. A lot of information there that will help you stay very current with what's going on with the congregation here. And we all want to be involved, don't we? Wait a minute. We all want to be involved, yes? Okay, love it. All right, so Turner is going to be leading us in our singing, so please get a songbook and prepare for that. Jordan's going to lead our devotional thoughts, and then after all of that, I'll come back and lead us in a closing prayer. Let's get our minds set on Jesus. Invitation song tonight will be number 903. Uh, the song for the lesson will be number 587, Sing and Be Happy, 587. In the skies above you are gray, you are in so
Facebook, you may have noticed this week, uh, Dee shared a post, uh, a picture of some bread. So uh, I actually attempted to make bread over the last, I guess, about two weeks. Um, my first time ever making bread, and I was like, you know, I'm going to go for Miss Alma's recipe. And how many of you have had Miss Alma's bread? So you know how stupid that was, right? <laughs> I was, that was my first attempt, was I'm going to go for this one. Uh, but anyways, uh, have any of you ever made bread of your own, like homemade bread before or tried to? Bless your souls. Yeah, you know, this is, it's not simple, right? It's a, it's a good bit of work. It's a very tedious process, a very scientific process. Uh, partially maybe what drew, drew me to kind of want to make bread is I like the scientific part of it, which is crazy though because, you know, it's been around for thousands of years. People have been making bread. They didn't realize you know, how, how much science and patience and technique and luck goes into it. But anyways, so I, I dove into making this bread. I'm like, I'm going to do it. It took like 10 days. Uh, it takes a long time when you make this kind of bread, especially if you have to make the starter, which is basically you mix this stuff up, you put some yeast in it, and then you, you move it to the countertop, and you move it to the fridge, and you move it here, move it there, cover it, uncover it, and you feed it. I thought that was weird that I had to feed something that's going to feed me, but you feed this starter. And so you do this uh, a few different times over a span of several days. And then you go and you take one cup of this starter and you add, you add it to all these other ingredients, a whole lot of other ingredients. Uh, so just a small amount of this starter, all these other ingredients, mix it all up, and then uh, once you have it mixed up and you let it, you let it sit a little bit, and then you have to do what's called kneading, which I have never done before, and I have no idea if I did anything correctly or not. But if you have a grandmother that baked her own bread, I want to know what she bench pressed because that's kneading bread dough. That's a lot of work, and you get tired, and I was hurting. But anyways, it's a lot of work that goes into that. So you got to do this kneading. And then you have to let it rise, and then you've got to put it in the pans, and you've got to let it bake, and hopefully what comes out is bread. Uh, luckily, what I made actually come out, and it, you know, a stranger walked in the house, they'd be like, that's bread. But 
somebody, if y'all would have tasted it, y'all be like, nah, that's not, that's not the one. That's not Miss Alma's bread. Um, but anyways, this whole process reminded me of the parable we read about. It's in Luke 13. It's also in Matthew 13. Uh, lesser talked about parable probably, the parable of the yeast, because it follows right after uh, the mustard seed, which is one we maybe probably talk about a little bit more. But it says that Jesus was saying, <clears throat> excuse me, in this parable, what can I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into 50 pounds of flour until it spread through the mixture. So obviously the point here is that something huge can grow from something that starts out seemingly very small and insignificant, right? And that's kind of the point here. You know, the yeast, you put the yeast in the bread dough, it grows, right? Uh, sometimes a small action, something small, it may seem insignificant within the church, but the church grows, right? The church still grows. But here's the part I want us to focus on. So let's say I've, I've put all this effort, I've made the starter, I've fed it, I've mixed up all the ingredients, I've moved it here to there, I've done all this work, and now it comes time, we've got to do this kneading part. And I'm like, you know what, I don't want to do the work. I'll just throw it out. How many of you would have some choice words to say to me if I told you I did all that and got to that point and then I was like, you know what, I don't want to do the work. I'm going to throw it out. And as silly as that may sound, I'm afraid that may be sometimes our attitudes when it comes to the church. Is we, uh, you know, we, we study our Bible. We, we believe. We baptize for mission of sins. We're a Christian now and uh, we're here. We try our best to come back at the next point in time. Uh, but when an opportunity presents itself, maybe we don't want to do the work. I got a lot going on, Jordan. I got a lot. I got a full-time job. Mm, I, my kids, they're in, they're in all the things because we have to be in all the things. We have to be very prominent in this community. Uh, we've got to be very active in all these other things. I'm tired. I don't want to do the work. And I'm afraid a lot of times that may be our attitude. Um, talking to myself as much as anyone else. But we're... I'm a Christian, I'm assembling, I don't want to do the work. So this congregation, we have no shortages of opportunities. We do a lot at this congregation. Um, and we need you. We need every one of you. We need all of you. Uh, regardless of how seemingly small and insignificant your contribution might be, yeast grows. All right, so if there's anything we can do for you tonight, we're, gonna, we're about to sing the invitation song. Uh, we want to extend the Lord's invitation to you. If there's anything we can pray for you for, or anything that we can do for you, we ask that you come as we stand and we sing together. Would you be
Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, we're thankful at the close of this day that we can reflect upon the events and that we can be grateful to you for the opportunities that you've put in our hands. And I pray, Father, that this review of today will reveal that we were active. I pray that we'll take to heart the message that we've heard and that we will be a leavening effect on this church and among those that we're acquainted with. I pray that our impact will be positive and good rather than us being impacted by the negative things around us. And I pray, Lord, that we'll be strengthened together, all of us, with a commitment to do our part to, to work and that you'll give the results. We thank you for all of the things that are happening, all the various activities. We pray success, Lord, on those efforts that we're making to spread your gospel far and wide. We pray, Lord, that you will bless those who suffer tonight. We pray especially for Nada Bullock's family. And while we celebrate the fulfillment of her faith, we also sorrow with those who sorrow and are grieving. And we pray that you will comfort each one and help us to be the means by which that comfort will come. We pray, Father, for those who are recovering from illness. And it's great news to hear about Rumel being able to go home and for Catherine Floyd. But we also pray for those who continue to suffer, like Sister Sarton, and for Eric Fitzsimmons, who has these issues with his arteries. We pray, Father, that you'll give blessings to all of these, and so many more, especially those of our members who are suffering with COVID and similar sicknesses, we pray that you'll give recovery and strengthen them. Please bless us now, Father, as we leave this place and go to our respective homes, keep us safe in our journey. And if you will give us a new day, if you'll let us see Thursday, I pray, Father, that we will see the tremendous blessing in that and act accordingly as your children full of vigor and zeal for your cause. In Jesus' name, amen.